the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Your life as a Christian is a marathon. It is a race of perseverance. It is not just getting a great jump off the start, 50-yard dash, we're done. Christianity is a marathon. You have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself. And you can't get discouraged, even though you start to feel the pain in the side as you're running and you want to give up. You can't. You're running that long stretch of the race, and then your stomach starts to cramp up, and all you can think about is how you want to slow down, bend over, and make the pain stop. This is how life feels sometimes, right? In today's teaching, Pastor Gary encourages you to keep pressing into the challenges and to press on to a greater goal of finishing the race well. This is not a literal running race, but the long-distance race that life is choosing to persevere when it gets tough and to complete it. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 20 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Here in Miletus, this uh, next uh, story takes place. And it tells us in verse 16 that Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, uh, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. So he's on, you know, this, he's on a divine timetable, but uh, he has this, the Jewish calendar in mind. He wants to go back to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. It was required that all Jewish men, 21 years and older, would go to Jerusalem for three major feasts of the year. Passover, Pentecost, and Sukkot. And so this is one of them who wants to get back to Jerusalem. So, you know, he's already spent two years in Ephesus. He doesn't see a need to go back there. He's, he bypasses Ephesus. And Miletus is another little seaport city right at the base of the Aegean Sea. And it is here, look at verse 17, from Miletus that Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So he, he doesn't want to go to Ephesus. He goes to Miletus, but then he asks the elders from Ephesus, could you meet me here in Miletus? So they're going to make a 50-mile journey, give or take, uh, down to Miletus. Verse 18, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. Now listen to what he's saying here, because this is a great... There are different times in the scriptures and the epistles where Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ." And we're going to see here that he saying to them, my life is an open book, go ahead and examine it. 
And when I read his parting words here to these elders from Ephesus, it's challenging to me because, um, you know, how many of us would just be able to say with such a clear conscience, just examine every part of my life, I'm an open book. He says to them, you know how I lived among you. I was with you for two years. You know, you, you saw everything about me. There was nothing to hide. You, you were able to witness and see everything about me. Nothing to hide. You know, there's no secret life here with Paul. It's like my public life is my private life. My private life is my public life. Follow my example as I follow Christ. It's a very challenging thing. And he's such a godly man that he's able to say to them, he says, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia. He says in verse 19, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. Okay, you know, he says there were times I even, you know, was brought to tears. I was severely tested. He says in verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. He's like, guys, look, I just want to give you some parting words of counsel here. And what we see between verses um, 18 to 27, what we're reading here, is basically Paul's summary of his ministry. And then we get to verse 28 to 35, we're going to see his exhortation of their ministry. Because he's called these elders from the church at Ephesus, and he starts out here first just, you know, declaring his own life. He's like, let me just summarize my ministry with you. I lived here the whole time. You saw me for two years. You observed me. I served the Lord with humility. Um, I was severely tested. There were times I was brought to tears. It wasn't always easy. There was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in my ministry with you. I haven't hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, both to the Jews and to Greeks, to the Gentiles, because I wanted to declare to you the word of God, because I know that in God's word there is liberty and life. And so he he says all this to them. And in verse 22, he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. This is an incredible statement here. He's saying, listen, I feel compelled by the Spirit to to go, but I've also been warned by the Spirit there's going to be hardships. Paul is particularly an awesome example of a life that is surrendered and is not too concerned about self, but more concerned always about the Lord. And so he's like, i got to go to Jerusalem. I don't don't even know if I'm going to be killed there. I don't know. But it's not about me. It's about the Lord. And I'm going to be faithful to go where he tells me to go and to do what he tells me to do. And it won't always be easy. But look at verse 24. However, I have this underlined in my Bible. I encourage you to underline this in yours. I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Isn't that a great statement? I consider my life worth nothing to me. It's all about the Lord. And it's all about the gospel of grace. I just want to finish the race and complete the task. It only matters how well you finish. And if you came to know Christ after you're 40 or 50 or 60, 70 you realize it's all about finishing. 
It doesn't really matter. Some of us started early. Some of us got saved at an early age. You were a child. You were a youth. That's wonderful. Some of you didn't get saved until much later in life. It doesn't really matter how early or how well you start. What matters is that you finish. Paul himself didn't get a great start. Remember, he was standing there condoning the, the death of Stephen as they were stoning Stephen to death. And he was holding their cloaks of those who were throwing stones. Because, you know, if you wear a coat, it's a little more difficult to be throwing stones. So they were taking off their coats. And there was young Saul standing there giving approval unto the death of Stephen. He didn't, he didn't start very well. He was educated in the ways of Gamaliel. He was a very zealous Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, great pedigree. But he didn't start very well. He was a part of murdering Christians. But he says, I, now that I know Christ, consider my life worth nothing except that I might finish the race and complete the task of testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ to God's grace. And he says, I just want to finish well. Friends, finish well. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Your life as a Christian is a marathon. It is a race of perseverance. It is not just getting a great jump off the start, 50-yard dash, we're done. Christianity is a marathon. You have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself. And you can't get discouraged, even though you start to feel the pain in the side as you're running and you want to give up. You can't, you can't be discouraged midway through. You've got to press through it, persevere, finish the race. Paul, among all people, can say, you know, he, he no doubt probably at different times felt like giving up. But he persevered and he finished the race. Be a good finisher. Be a good finisher. Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He says in verse 25, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. If you have a King James Bible, it says the whole counsel of God. In other words, God's word. Listen to what he says. I have a clear conscience. I am innocent of the blood of all men, because I have not shunned from declaring unto you, King James says, the whole counsel of God. Of God. That is a, let me tell you, as a pastor, that, those are sweet words to my ears. And the reason is because, and this is why it's important that as a pastor, I teach through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, because I want you to have the whole counsel of God. And because, perhaps selfishly, I want to be able to stand before God and, said, and say, I gave him the whole counsel of God. I did my best to discharge the teaching of the full counsel of God's word. And so Paul says here, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I've done my part to teach all of the Bible. So this is a great verse to remind me, and this is the reason why if you go into Calvary Chapel churches today, which we are one, we are part of the Calvary Chapel uh, affiliation of churches, which you know Chuck Smith started back in the 60s out of Costa, Costa Mesa, California. It is one thing that is common to all Calvary Chapel churches. And this verse has spoke to Chuck many, many years ago, and it's the reason why we as Calvaries take to heart the importance and the responsibility and the privilege of teaching through the whole Bible, not just the hunt and peck method, a little bit here, a little bit there, we'll skip the tough parts, we 
won't deal with some of the controversial issues. We go from cover to cover so that all of God's word can speak to all of God's people. And then you can, by, by your own exercise of your own free will, respond to the counsel of God's word. But Paul says, and, and I love this verse personally because as far as it depends on us and our ministry, he says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I have been faithful to discharge the whole counsel of God. So, switching now here, verse 28, he's going to talk now about the exhortation. This is the part where he exhorts them as, as elders in the church at Ephesus. He says, all right, now here's your responsibility, and he's going to tell them three main directives. And I'll break it down for you in a minute, but let me just read through the passage. Verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So there's three directives in here. Notice verse 28, keep watch. The middle of verse 28, be shepherds. And then verse 31, be on your guard. It's these three things here. Keep watch, be shepherds, and be on your guard. Let me break each one of these three down. So to keep watch is the Greek word proseko. It means to give attention to. And he tells them here to keep watch over, notice, yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Overseers is the Greek word episkopos. Uh, we get our English word episcopalian. It's, it speaks about um, the leadership and oversight, overseers of a flock. Pastors are considered elders, episkopos, overseers. But please note, You have to give attention, he says, to yourselves and to the flock. If pastors and leaders don't give attention to their own spiritual lives, they will be of no use in trying to give attention to the spiritual lives of the flock. And I can tell you, as a pastor, sometimes people think, how awesome, how awesome, dude. You get to be paid to be in the Word of God all day long. All right, well, first of all, Cannabis Carl, listen to me. You know one of, the, one of the biggest challenges that every pastor has? It is making sure that you're not going into the Word for the next sermon. And I can, I can tell you it's been an ongoing struggle. Any pastor who says it's not is not telling you the truth. It's an ongoing struggle because in wanting to be a good teacher and be, uh, be responsible to God's calling on your life. You're wanting to search the scriptures to get, come up with the next teaching and, and to be able to do what we do, which is teach. And what often gets neglected is our own personal time in the word. And this is strong counsel to the leaders of the church where Paul says, I want you to be sure that you keep watch over yourselves. You have to give attention to yourself. You have to take care of yourself spiritually You have to read the word for yourself. You have to pray. You have to spend time in that relationship of yours with Jesus. 
for there to be anything. Ideally, ministry happens out of the overflow of one's relationship with Christ. It's not just true for me as a pastor. It's true for you. If you want to be effective in the life of someone else to minister to them, it will ultimately and ideally happen as an overflow of the relationship you have with Jesus. You can't offer someone something that you don't have yourself. And it is important for all of us to spend time at the feet of Jesus, regularly drinking in his word, sitting, meditating. Listen, meditation is a word that got hijacked from Eastern mysticism religion. Meditating is a word in the Bible where you you spend that time focusing on and thinking about and meditating over and over again on those things of the Lord. So, All of that is important in one's personal life before you will be effective in the life of anybody else. So I love the the directive here. Paul says, I want you to keep watch, prosecco. I want you to give attention to yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Then the next thing he says there in the middle of verse 28, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Be shepherds there is the Greek word poimeno, that means to feed or to pastor. The word pastor comes from this word. And I just want to point out what he does, that it is to be shepherds of God's church, which was bought with his blood. It is God's church. It is his church. And he spilled his blood for the sake of the church. I mentioned this Several months ago, in the course of a weekend teaching, I remember coming, whatever passage we were in at the time, which, you know, we, we have to keep in mind that no pastor can say, it's my flock. These are my people. And I hear some of my pastor friends say that sometimes, and it really concerns me. It drives me nuts because I keep thinking, do you, do you realize these are not your people? This is not your flock. This is the flock of Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd. We just get to be a part of ministering to and teaching his flock, his people. Isn't that what the Bible says? We are the sheep of his pasture. And so Paul, I think, is saying this as a word of warning to the elders. Don't think these are your people, elders. Don't think this is your flock. You have been placed in a position of influence and responsibility over God's church that he purchased with his blood. These people belong to the Lord, elders. They don't belong to you. You just need to be faithful to discharge your duties and your responsibilities as overseers and pastors. Well, now in verse 29, this is a, this is a word of warning here. I know that after I leave, he says, savage wolves will come in among you. Okay, notice, from outside, they're going to come in from among you and will not spare the flock, even from among your own number. Now he, now he says there's going to be something even from within. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them, so be on your guard. That's the third directive here, and it is the Greek word gregorio, meaning to keep awake or to be vigilant. And he says you have to be aware of two potential problems that are going to ruin the church. He says the potential for persecution from without, and he calls them savage wolves. I think if you have a King James Bible, it says grievous wolves. These are going to be outsiders who hate the church. They hate Christians. They don't like Christianity. Okay, listen, this was written in the first century A.D. Not much has changed, friends. 
I mean, let's not deceive ourselves. There are some people who hate Christianity. They hate Christians. They hate uh, anything having to do with, with religion and the freedom of religion. All right, There are whole organizations devoted to trying to limit the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. Whole groups and legal organizations and and uh, just people with a vendetta who, who just can't stand the church and can't stand the Lord. And so Paul, Paul says here, just be aware, there's going to be the potential of persecution from without. This shouldn't alarm us. This shouldn't surprise us. This is reality, friends. There are some people who will love the church, some people who will tolerate the church, and some people who will be downright hostile to the church. And that is just reality. I think we're seeing it even so, even more so today. So he says, be aware of that part. But then he also says, hey, I want you to even realize, verse 30, that even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. He says, there's the potential for division from within. You got to be vigilant about this. Gregorio, you got to be on top of this. You got to be aware of this. He says, you know, it's just basically, he's just calling out the flesh. He's saying, listen, there's a lot of fleshly people in every church, and there's some people, and some of you, fortunately, I can say to the glory of God, we've never had a church split in 25 years, but I can tell you there have been enough churches that aren't even existing today because there were a few from within who decided, we're going to do our own thing, and then they started drawing people away with them, and it just completely divided the church, fractured the church, splintered the church. I've never understood why if somebody feels like they can do it better or, you know, they, and they have a better idea, just leave quietly and go do what God wants you to do. Why do you have to stir up division and cause trouble and discord? The Bible says that there are seven things that God hates in the book of Proverbs, and, and one of it is a man who sows discord. So Paul says you gotta be, you gotta be aware of this because people are fleshly and people are prone to do this kind of thing where if it's not the persecution from without, it's people who are divisive from within and they want to start their own little things and factions and discord and division. He says be aware of this. Be on your guard. And he says remember, I never stopped warning you night and day with tears. Well, as he departs here, we, let's finish up this chapter. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. Isn't that great? The word of grace. God's word builds us up. If we'll just get in God's word, it will build us up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words that Jesus himself, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Don't you hate goodbyes? It's, it's a tearful scene here at the end where these Ephesian elders who love Paul and Paul loves them realize we'll probably never see you again, especially because Paul knew his life was in danger wherever he went. So they didn't know if they would ever see him again. More than likely they didn't. But for those who know the Lord, of course, there's always going to be a glorious reunion in heaven. This world is not the end. When you know the Lord and your friends and family know the Lord, 
that even when we depart this earth, there will be a glorious reunion in heaven where we will be with the Lord forever and ever. The book of Acts is awe-inspiring as you see the Christian church take off. You see these frightened disciples who had scattered, rallied together, and then spread out beyond their borders. It takes great faith to do what these believers did, just like it takes great faith to spread the word today. How are you engaging with this series so far? Do you have any questions or concerns? If so, feel free to email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We'd be happy to hear your prayer requests too. Are you living in or visiting the Leesburg, Virginia area? We'd like to invite you to come join us this Sunday for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship at Cornerstone Chapel. You can find our service times and other information when you visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find previous messages from Pastor Gary and links to download our mobile app. Just look under the Teachings tab. Once again, that website is cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and hearing some things from the book of Acts that we hope inspire you. We look forward to you joining us again here on Cornerstone Connection. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.